WWE Setting the Stage is a podcast for WWE fans where I recap events, break down storylines and angles, and make predictions about where those storylines and angles are headed. Whether you're just getting into wrestling or a WWE fanatic like me, this show is for you. I will see you ringside. What's up, everybody? So I've decided I'm going to do a little bit more experimenting here with the episode. So what I'm going to do is go back to doing something that I did uh, probably about a year ago. And that is, you know, I was doing a recap show after each, you know, show during the week. So I do a recap show after Raw, after NXT, after SmackDown, you know, and so forth. And then, of course, still doing my um, recap and preview shows for the premium live events. Um, And then maybe, you know, throw in some impromptu episodes if I want to talk about a certain subject. So... I, I think that's the way I'm going to do it for now. I mean, my ideal situation is to be on a set schedule where, you know, I'm maybe maybe I'm doing at one point I'm doing a raw after show or a raw pre-show or something like that to that nature. But um haven't gotten quite there yet, so we'll see, you know, what happens in the future. So without further ado, let's, uh, let's talk about Monday Night Raw. Um, so basically... From from the get go, you know they're still announcing matches, which I'm not incredibly a big fan of, unless, like I said, it fits the story. You know, there's a couple of exceptions. So, like if it fits the story, for instance, you know, you know they had uh, what two number one contender uh, semifinal matches for the U.S. title, and then the final, you know, number one contenders match last uh, last week, and then they announced this week that, you know, the number one contender would take on Bobby Lashley <clears throat> for the U.S. title. And that was fine with me because, like I said, that's that's the ending to a sort of a tournament feel. So you kind of you kind of have to announce those matches. But like in some cases, like you know, we got uh, I, I, I'm trying to look for an example here. You know, like they they really don't have to announce the Finn Balor Rey Mysterio match anymore. I don't feel like you really need to do that. I think you can just let that kind of play organically. Uh, into a storyline. You don't have to announce it ahead of time. Um, I can sort of understand announcing the women's tag team tournament, you know, for the tag team championships. That's fine. I'm I'm okay with that. But like I said, I don't need like a full lineup or a full rundown of the matches before they even happen. I like to kind of be surprised a little bit. And, you know, the funny thing is I've been seeing some kind of the, you know, the news sites online and a couple of them, I, I won't call them out by name, but there's a couple of them that like to actually give you a copy of the run sheet before it ever happens. And I actually did a little test on this. Like a couple of times I actually did look at what the run sheet was and it went to, it went exactly the way this particular site said it would go. And I, I don't know. I, I don't, you know, like I said, it's just a matter of opinion. Um, I don't really like that. I don't like that. I know what's going to happen you know, in the show, minute by minute, you know, hour by hour, whatever. Um, I kind of like to be surprised by certain things. Now, obviously, and last night's show was a very good indication of this, was not even not even some of these news sites can sort of predict what's going to happen. So, um, so the other thing to address is, in this particular episode of Raw, you really had to pay attention to what was going on in the background in certain instances to kind of know that another story was actually going on right between your, uh, right before your eyes. And a lot of people, from what I've read online, a lot of people didn't make anything of it. They thought it was something that was kind of, 
just happening and didn't realize what it was. And I'll be honest with you, I was kind of in that boat too. Like I thought it was just something, you know, they accidentally let us see something backstage that they probably shouldn't have let us see. But as you know, you know, with Triple H, you know, where he used to run things in NXT and even when, you know, he was a full-time wrestler back in his day, you know, WWE liked to run a lot of different storylines behind, sort of like behind the upfront storylines that you kind of had to pay attention. You know what I mean? And last night was no different than this. And I'll talk about that more in a minute. Um, <clears throat> so basically to start out raw, we had, uh, you know, we had Bailey, Dakota Kai and EO Sky come down and start cutting a promo. Um, it, it, I will say this, the, the, the promo did feel more organic. And like I said, I was reading a tweet that, uh, that, uh, JD from New York wrote, uh, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with you if you're part of the internet wrestling community. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of his. I mean, like I said, he has a, he has a very, uh, outgoing personality. I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, but I will say I listen to his shows or watch his shows because they make a lot of sense to me. And he says a lot of things that make sense. And like I said, I'm kind of, I kind of agree with most of the things he says. So I don't want to say we're like-minded because, you know, he has no idea what my opinions are. I'm sure. I mean, he probably doesn't have time to, you know, listen to this podcast and find out what I say or anything, but you know, who knows, maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I would think that he's probably busy doing a lot of other things that he probably doesn't have to, he probably doesn't have time to tune into a lot of other content other than the stuff that he has to, you know, listen to or watch, uh, to help further his own content. So, and I totally get it. I understand that, you know, he's, he's got a pretty successful thing going on and, Hey, more power to him. You know, it's, it's actually kind of inspiring to be honest. So, um, so yeah, um, they started cutting this promo and like I said, it felt pretty good. Even, you know, Bailey kind of poking fun of herself when she, you know, said Dakota sky and said Dakota Kai when she was saying that and she, you know, she started giving the crowd a hard time about it and everything. And, and now in my personal opinion, I think this promo went a little too long. Um, just a little, I mean, it started getting a little, little too, uh, little too long winded. And I think, I think, I think backstage they started to notice that. So, you know, out came Alexa Bliss, Asuka, and then shortly after Bianca Belair. And I understand that what they were kind of trying to do was probably promote the the women's tag team championship tournament. Um, They were also, you know, getting ready to announce their match, the the six-woman match at Clash of the Castle between Bailey Dakota Kai and uh, Eos Guy and Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and uh, Asuka. But I still think... um, I don't know, little, little long winded for me, but still a good promo. I, 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 it's much better than the promos I've seen in the last few, last few weeks of raw, uh, for sure. But, um, and then of course with them ending it with a fight breaking out and chaos and, and, you know, they had to have the referees and the officials break it up. I thought, I thought that was even better. I thought that actually kind of saved it in my opinion a little bit. So, um, so a lot of things going on in there, but like I said, uh, um, I, I, I also agree with a lot of people, you know, who've been saying this, that they're not a real big fan of, you know, what WWE was doing and they were having just, you know, the show start with long winded promos. Uh, but in a way I think this promo was kind of necessary, but like I said, it, it still could have been cut a little short, a little shorter than it was. So, um, 
So with that being said, they did announce, you know, the pairings for the women's tag team championship tournament. And I don't know, like I still feel like the women's tag team championships are a little bit of a, I don't know. I don't think they're really needed right now because I don't feel like there are enough women's tag teams out there that feel kind of, you know, organic, whether they feel like they go together, you know, and, I, and I'll give you a perfect example here. So these are the first round matchups for both Raw and SmackDown. So Raw saw this week, saw Tamina and Dana Brooke versus Io Sky and Dakota Kai. Out of those four women, I would feel like Io Sky and Dakota Kai are probably the most organic team because they came back together as a team. I feel like Tamina and Dana Brooke were kind of thrown together just because they've been in the 24-7 title picture uh, together for so long. And to be honest with you, they were even adversaries trying to fight for that title. So, um, so yeah, so I think, uh, so I think they were just thrown together. Then the other first round matchup, like I said, Alexa bliss and Oscar, I think they'd been teamed together, um, just out of, you know, feuding with Bailey's new faction. Um, and then Nikki ASH and Dewdrop, yeah, they've been a tag team, but when have you actually really seen them showcase as a tag team before this tournament? I mean, you have a few times, but not really not really anything of substance to get behind. And, you know, while we're on that subject, I really hope under tri- Triple H's era that Nikki ASH and Dewdrop get a total repackage. Like, I actually hope Dewdrop goes back to Piper Nevin, or ne- Nevin, yeah, Piper Nevin, and I hope... Um, you know, uh, Nikki A.S.H. actually goes back to Nikki Cross. I liked Nikki Cross in her, you know, NXT persona that she used to portray back when she was on NXT. So maybe we'll see that uh, happen down the road. Um, the matchups over on the SmackDown side, which obviously we'll talk about more on SmackDown, but Raquel Rod- Rodriguez and Aaliyah. Really? Come on. You just paired these two together? I mean, they're not really a team. I would actually, believe it or not, I would think that Shotzi, Blackheart, and Aaliyah would probably be a better team, even though they've been enemies for the last two uh, weeks or so. I could actually see them as more of a gelling team because when they first came to SmackDown together or, or they were coming together, I actually saw them more as like a pair than I do Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah. But I guess because Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah are currently the current uh, baby faces, that's probably why they got teamed together. But, uh, but aside from that, it makes absolutely no sense. Um, then, like, as, as I mentioned, Shotzi, and she's pair, paired with Zia Lee. Really? I, I don't even see that pairing really going. Um, what does Zia Lee and Shotzi have anything to do with each other? I mean, it's just come out of nowhere, really. I mean, I don't know. Okay, and then on the other side, so then you got a couple of NXT uh, women being thrown together, Nikita Lyons and Zoe Stark, which uh, pretty, you know, pretty respectable females over on NXT, but absolutely have nothing to do with each other. Don't even know why they're a tag team. They weren't even, they weren't even together even over on NXT. So I don't even know why they're being thrown together in this tournament as well. It just makes no sense. And then Natalia and Sonya Deville, that actually team makes a little bit of sense. Cause as you've seen, they've been kind of countering, um, uh, uh, Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey in the last few weeks, and you've actually seen them together to try to team up against those two. So that actually, that tag team actually makes a little bit of sense, uh, just because they've had a little bit of teaming up in the past. So again, none of these teams really feel really organic, 
is probably the best word for it, except for, like I said, the couple of ones that we've been seeing recently from the, uh, from the fallout of Bailey's return to television with her, uh, with her stable that's happened or her faction. So again, and, and, and again, we've heard rumors that Naomi and Sasha Banks are going to be returning probably soon. And again, at first, when you really think about it, their teaming up didn't really even make any sense in the beginning. Now they became a pretty formidable team and they were, they were starting to find their groove as a team together. But, uh, in the, in, but it just goes to show that these women's tag team titles, although a good concept in itself just doesn't make sense right now because you don't have a lot of, you know, you don't have a lot of great women's tag teams right now. You just don't, you don't have any women that are coming into WWE or NXT as a tag team. So it just doesn't make sense. So these, these titles, maybe they'd be a better idea down the road, but right now it's just not a good idea. Now, I mean, hopefully WWE makes, makes me eat my words and maybe when they get done with this tournament, they, they start to realize that maybe they need to form some formidable teams. So these tag titles will actually mean something, but we'll see. And if anybody can do it, I feel like triple H can do it. And I feel like he's got a creative mind. Maybe he'll come up with something and maybe this is a, this is one of his more challenging projects that he's going to have to, you know, conquer is making the women's tag team championships relevant. Uh, and hopefully he can pull it off. I'm, you know, I'm not rooting for the women's tag division to fail. I actually, I obviously want it to see it succeed, but right now I'm just not feeling it. So we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. Maybe I'll eat my words. Hopefully I'll eat my words and I'll, and I'll be wrong about it, but yeah, I'm just not feeling it right now. So <clears throat> we get Rollins, Seth Rollins. Next we get Seth freaking Rollins taking on the other half of um, the Street Profits and Angelo Dawkins. You know, last week it was Montez Ford. And um, so it was almost like a similar match to the other one, uh, except um, I think Montez Ford actually got two curb stomps where Angelo Dawkins only got one. And uh, before he could hit a second one, um, Montez Ford came down to, uh, to save Angelo Dawkins. And I don't know, at first when I saw these two at, you know, SummerSlam after they lost to the Usos, I was thinking maybe they're going to break this team up. <sighs> Unless it's going to be a complete surprise. Um, right now, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe Triple H has changed his mind about this, you know, about breaking up the Street Profits because maybe, you know, he's trying to rebuild the tag division. And if you break the Street Profits up, that's another tag team down the drain. So maybe he's decided against it. Maybe they were originally going to do it, but maybe, maybe they've, maybe they've changed their mind under the new regime that they're maybe going to start, you know, uh, you know, bringing tag teams together rather than trying to break them up. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. I, like I said, I'm not really getting any indication unless, uh, unless, like I said, it's going to come out of nowhere. And I don't know. I don't know if even that's a good call because then people, yeah, it would be good for shock, shock value, but would it really make any sense at that point? I don't know. All right. So the next thing we got is we got a little, a uh, little thing between edge, Ray Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. Uh, apparently edge was going in to apologize for spearing, uh, for spearing Dominic by accident on, you know, last week's show. Ray, I think accepted his apology. Dominic was not so sure. Dominic was pushing edge. And then he said something to his dad about, I can't believe you'd take my side, you know, take his side over mine and, you know, all that stuff. And then Dominic storms off. Um, 
So I didn't think anything of it. In fact, I was thinking maybe what's been whispered all this time is that maybe Dominic is starting to, you know, turn starting his turn on his dad and he's going to join uh, the Judgment Day or something. But then uh, later on, when I saw uh, Ray and Edge meeting later in the backstage area and they were talking about how they couldn't find Dominic and everything like that, um, you know, I saw the exchange and everything, but then, and, and like I said, maybe this means nothing. Maybe it's me reading into something too much. When Ray and Edge ended their exchange after that and Ray was walking away from in the backstage area to go to the ring, Edge gave Ray a certain look behind his back. And I don't know, like I said, maybe I'm just reading into it, but Edge has given that look on, at least in my opinion, he's given that look a few times when he's, up to something and I don't know what he's up to, you know, and I, I don't know. Is, is this a whole thing where they're trying to dupe us and edge maybe is in cahoots with judgment day and we just don't know it. They're just throwing us for a loop. And I don't, like I said, maybe I'm reading into it, but it was a, it was a very strange look. It was a very strange stare that edge gave to Ray Mysterio in the back of his head. I, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't let that go for most of the, for most of the show because I felt like there was something to that and I don't know what it was. Um, but like I said, could be me overthinking things. I do that a lot. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, so after that we get, um, Ezekiel versus Kevin Owens and this kind of ended in a no contest because I think it was base. I think it was basically, uh, you know, to, write uh write Ezekiel off TV and probably get Elias back on TV eventually and then to bring back the old Kevin Owens from NXT. So I think that was Triple H's way of saying we're done with this Ezekiel character because it's not really going anywhere and um you know we need to uh we need to bring back Kevin Owens back to what he used to be. So that's what I took from that. Um next up we had actually Finn Balor versus Rey Mysterio and this is where things get a little f- funny before the, before that happened. Um, and this is where they're kind of playing with your mind a little bit. So Damien priest, before this match even started, he challenged edge to a match in two weeks in his hometown in Toronto on raw, um, which later edge would accept on raw talk. If you guys actually watch raw talk on Peacock after, after raw, um, edge actually accepted the challenge and will actually, uh, do this. Well, the match will actually be happening. Um, so that kind of threw you a loop into that kind of countered what I had said earlier about edge giving the strange look to Ray Mysterio behind his back. Uh, so then it kind of threw you for even more of a loop and, uh, and I don't know, just a lot of questions. So then, um, so then this match gets underway. Uh, Damien priest eventually gets involved in this match. Uh, where then Edge comes down and chases him away, and then he's gone, and then it's back to Finn Balor and Ray, and then all of a sudden Rhea Ripley comes out with Dominic over his sh- uh, over her shoulder, um, making it, I-, I think, in a way, making it look like uh, she beat the you know beat the crap out of Dominic Mysterio, but like I said, we never actually saw her beat the crap out of him, so. Um, so again, and something that the commentator said, one of the commentators said, I don't know if it was Corey Graves or, 
or Byron Saxon or somebody, but it said something about, it, it made me pay attention to where they were going off the assumption that Rhea Ripley had been the one that acted alone in beating uh, Dominic up. And I thought it was kind of interesting that they made a point to say that when, in a way, it was kind of implied before that was even said. So, I don't know. Sometimes I just pay attention to what the commentators say just because I feel like sometimes they bring light to the obvious for a reason. You know, like, that's what they want the fans to believe, but you never know. You know what I mean? So, um, so we'll have to see what happens going forward with this, with this story. I mean, is, is Dominic planning to turn on his dad? Is Edge planning to turn his back on the Mysterious and go back to Judgment Day? Is everything I'm just saying is just a conspiracy? I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? We'll see. Um, back to what I was talking about. Uh, so, so next up is the, uh, the first round of the women's tag team tournament between, uh, Tamina and Dana Brooke and EO Sky and Dakota Kai. Um, so <laughs> right before they had this match, um, Dana Brooke and Tamina were being interviewed in the back and Dana Brooke is still carrying that 24 seven title, even though it hasn't really even been defended in I think a few weeks, and to be honest with you, I would be I would be totally okay if it was never defended again and it just disappeared off television. Um, and she could be the last champion. I couldn't give two cents worth, you know. Um, but I thought it was kind of funny that Bailey and and her faction interrupted that interview and <laughs> the crack she made about the twenty four seven championship, where she said, you know, don't worry, we're not gonna. We're not going to roll you up and take that title. And I thought that was a real good dig at the 24-7 championship, considering that, you know, most of those pinfalls ended in a roll-up. And <laughs> and I think we talked about it, me and the Distance Nerdington uh, the, the See, I always say that wrong. I always try to say the Distance Nerdington Post, which is their, which is their group on Facebook, but it's actually Distance Nerding is their name of their podcast. But anyway, the Distance Nerding folks... Uh, I was talking to them on the panel how that 24-7 title is just atrocious, and that's the reason it makes it so bad is because it seems like the only time you ever win the championship is when you roll somebody up by surprise, you know? that's So I think Billy, Bailey was Bailey was taking a little dig at that. So, so anyway, this match, um, again, nothing too exciting. Um, I, I kind of I kind of expected that Eos Sky and Dakota Kai were going to beat Tamina and Dana, so... I mean, like I said, I even even when they announced this tournament on Friday, I was like, well, we'll see how it goes. Like I said, I'll give it a chance. But like I said, I'm not sure how into this tournament I'm going to be. And so far, <clears throat> like I said, it hasn't been that impressive. Um, but we'll see. Maybe it gets better as we get through the rounds. I don't know. And then maybe we get a surprise. Maybe Sasha and Naomi show up at the end and they get a title match and they win the titles back. Who knows? But then it, that would actually render the tournament kind of pointless, but we'll see. We'll see how they play this out. All right. So next is the United States cha- championship match, which I, I thought was a great match. That was a great match, even despite the Miz interfering a few times and everything. But I thought Champa and Lashley were great in this match. I, um, I think this is where people kind of expected maybe Gorgano uh, Johnny Gorgano to make a appearance back since it was in Cleveland, his hometown, and of course the Miz's hometown. Um, because I, I think when AJ chased uh, Miz out of the arena, but then again chased him through the ring and stuff, or you know chased him all around the ring and stuff, I thought maybe that would have been the indication 
that maybe Gargano was going to come back and help Champa, or maybe he's going to screw Champa. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what he's going to do? Um, but it, it, unfortunately, he did not show up, and that did not happen. So, but still, a very good match. Um, I I was totally entertained by this match. This match was great. Um, <clears throat> follow following that match, we obviously had a quite a uh, contrast as we had Omos. Um, defeat a couple of jobbers and Corey Graves put it best that you know it doesn't matter what these guys names are because after this match they're not going to remember their own names anyway so so that was kind of fitting for the whole match and it's true even though I looked looked them up on the paper before I did this uh did this episode I still can't remember what their names were so um but I think this was just to I don't know I guess build Omos's dominating character before they throw him to the wolves or I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with Omos to be quite honest. We'll have to see. Um, then, uh, the next match was Gable and, uh, Dolph Ziggler, Chad Gable and Dolph Ziggler. And of course, uh, Otis was back with Gable this week. Um, this was actually a quietly, a pretty good match. I thought it was a good match between two good wrestlers. um, no real, I don't think there was really any story to it other than the fact that maybe it was because Gable and Ziggler were in the match with, I think Champa, if I have that, if I have that right, right correctly, I'm trying to remember who was in each, each of those triple threat matches, but I believe Ziggler and Gable were in the same match along with Champa, I would think. And maybe they just had a return match and that was it. Like I said, very good match. Uh, at the end, Otis tried to chase down Ziggler after he won the match and, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not sure what they're doing with the uh, Alpha Academy at this point. I don't know whether, you know, they're going to keep them together to enhance the tag division, whether they're going to reset them and maybe do something else. I don't know. Uh, but we'll have to see in the coming weeks what Triple H does with those guys. Um, and, of course, the main event was AJ Styles versus Miz in a no-DQ match. Um, this was, of course... A pretty good match. I mean, and I think the reason it was made a DQ match is so Champa could get involved, come down, and get involved, and it wasn't a disqualification. Champa ended up going through a table. Um, AJ ended up winning this match, but as I'll talk about, what happened immediately after the match is what got it has people talking, and that was that security guards were um, wrestling with somebody um, over to the. I guess if you're if you're watching the TV on the ring, it was over to the right side, and AJ obviously was interested in it. Now, at first, to be honest with you, I thought I thought this was a pretty good job because I almost thought this was real. I almost thought that they were, you know, wrestling with a fan who was trying to get into the ring or you know something like that because obviously that does happen. Um, but you would soon realize it was Dexter Loomis. Dexter Loomis has returned to Raw, um, and. Believe it or not, a lot of things were going on in the background. They were kind of telling you kind of a story. Now, I, now to this to this very minute, I don't know that people know that all this stuff was related, but it was during a backstage interview with Kevin Owens after his match with Ezekiel, or no match, no contest match, um, you could see a car that had wrecked in the back. A lot of people thought that was by accident, and people weren't really supposed to see it on TV, but now that you look back at it, you're like, Maybe that was supposed to be seen. Then there was another backstage interview, I think, with uh, maybe Alexa and uh, Asuka or somebody. And you saw, again, the car being lifted up to the lifted up on the tow truck and taken away. Then you had um, 
somebody was walking to the ring. I can't remember who it was walking to the ring. I think it was maybe, uh, you know what? I don't know who was walking to the ring, but then you see all the security guards come flying by this person and the, the, the person that was walking to the ring. I'm trying to remember who it was now, um, was kind of looking like, what is going on here? And then finally you see the last part where they're wrestling with Dexter Loomis right at ringside and he's being carried away as raw goes off the air. Now, obviously this must mean that he's returning to, to not only raw, but maybe WWE he's going, he's being called up. Um, but could this be more of a prelude to things to come? Cause we definitely have heard stories that triple H is in contact with a lot of his former NXT guys and gals. Um, and could this be a prelude to reuniting perhaps the way that was in NXT, you know, like Jordan Gorgano, eventually Dexter Loomis would be a part of that because, uh, uh, he would marry on TV, obviously Indy Hartwell. Does this mean we'll see Indy Hartwell on the main roster? Maybe she could be a good addition to the women's division. Um, could we see Candice LeRae, Johnny Gargano's wife, come back? She would be a good addition to the women's division. Um, and, of course, Johnny Gargano himself, who we, who many people thought would come back uh, the, uh, last evening, um, did not. And one another thing I was going to say is, do you remember who else was a member of The Way, who we, who we often forget about now because, I don't know, it's just because of his stature now, and that's, uh, and that's Austin Theory, Mr. Money in the Bank. Could he actually you know, renounce his ties or not renounce, but, uh, that's the wrong word. Uh, I guess that's the wrong word, but anyway, uh, go back and kind of have his allegiance with the, with the way again, maybe to help him out. And now I know he's been off TV for a couple of weeks and we originally thought maybe it was cause triple H was maybe scrapping his whole character and everything. But now we realize it was due to, uh, the death of a family member that he had. Uh, I think it was his uncle and I'm sure he's still mourning along with his family and the loss of his uncle. Cause I believe from what I've, from what I understand, he was pretty close to his uncle. So, uh, obviously my condolences for what they're worth, uh, go out to him as well. Um, but like I said, we'll have to see what happens once he actually does make a return to television. As far as all the other things that are going on, what's going to happen, you know, that's going to be interesting. So, if anything is, if, if raw wasn't an indication that you should definitely stay tuned to what's up triple triple H's sleeve next. Um, definitely with the Dexter Loomis angle that definitely tells you that triple H is, uh, is going to get ing- aggressive in this, uh, creative thing that is now that he's the head of creative. So we'll just have to see. Um, so that, that was it for raw. And like I said, that was two shows in a row where we had shockers at the end. Obviously if you guys, uh, uh, listen to my last episode where I did where I did that long episode with all three shows in SummerSlam. You know that uh, on Friday, um, uh, Karrion Cross and Scarlett Scarlett came back to uh, SmackDown, and now you have of course Dexter Loomis coming back to Raw and everything. So should be should be interesting in the in the weeks to come. So we'll see what happens. So um, with with that in mind, I. I ran across this tweet that uh, I know I mentioned JD from New York, the the YouTuber, the wrestling wrestling community YouTuber. Um, he had a tweet that he that he had that he had out like a couple weeks ago, and it was basically his wish list or a wish list that he wanted to see the Triple H era or the Cerebral era, as as my uh, panel group uh, coined it uh, uh, during the panel uh, w- about a week ago. Um, 
basically he had a wish list of what he wanted to see happen. And let me, let me go over the, I think there were eight things on the list. So I'm going to go over each one and just tell you what my opinion is on each of them. And I've actually, you've pretty much heard my opinion in most of, uh, most of the coverage I did on raw here, but we'll just reiterate it real quick. So his first one was burn the 24 seven title. I believe JD and I have about the same opinion on the 24 seven title is it just needs to go. Um, he obviously feels a very strongly towards it, uh, you know, it being burned or destroyed. I'm, and I'm sure it's, you know, I'm sure it's for, you know, the intensity of his podcast, which is fine, which is great. I think it's, I think it's entertaining and everything. And, and to be honest with you, if they actually ended up burning it on national television, I, I would be okay with that. But just get it out of here. Just get it off television. Get it off television. I would actually like to be honest with you. In addition to that, I would actually like to see the hardcore title come back since they want to go back to this TV 14, uh, rating and everything. You could actually bring back hardcore, uh, matches back and just bring the hardcore title back. I think I mentioned that before in, in, on, on YouTube is just, uh, have it go forward, have it, have it come back. Um, his next one is revive the tag team division. Totally agree. Again, I agree. Revive the tag team division. The tag division has been lacking, and you have two sets of titles. Of course, now you have them. You have both sets of titles on the same team, and I think there's a reason for that, and that's because um, you just don't you just don't have teams on either show. Now, personally, unless Triple H is going to start hiring, and this will this will be the same point I'll make in another one of his uh, one of one of his things that he said on here. But unless you're planning on unless Triple H is planning on hiring everybody that got fired, which will probably put, you know, about a hundred people on each roster. If you really think about it, um, you need to do away with the brand split and you need to unify the raw and SmackDown tag team titles. And you just need to have one set of tag team titles and have a bunch of, ta- and that way you don't have to have, I mean, yes, you can refi you can revive the tag team division, but then if you have two sets of titles, you're going to have like, uh, crap load of a crap load of tag teams, which I guess may not be bad. Like I said, if he does hire everybody back that they lost the last two years and the, and the, and the, and the rosters are very, very plentiful, then, you know, maybe the, maybe the brand split isn't that bad and then you can get away with that. But if you're only going to hire like, you know, a a select few back and the rosters aren't really going to be that big, then, I would go to one set of tag team titles and have a bunch of tag teams in the division and you can still have a revived tag team division without having like a gazillion tag teams. So, but like I said, if you go back to full strength, like you were like before the COVID hit and everything like that, then you can have two tag divisions and you can have two sets of tag titles, but it's all in numbers and all in how you build the tag teams too. You can't just, throw together a bunch of people and everything. And and I'm confident Triple H won't do that. He'll find a story to put to every tag team and, and make them meaningful. At least I hope he will. So we'll see how that goes forward. All right. So one thing he and I definitely agree with, in fact, I mentioned this in the YouTube uh, panel that we did with distance nerding is bring prestige back to the intercontinental and the United States championships. And I think we're already seeing that we're already seeing that with the, both of the titles. Um, you're actually having number one contender matches and not those silly championship contender matches where you have the champion involved on whether the number one contender can get a, you know, a, a shot at the title. You actually make the champion the goal, the the top of the ladder that you have to reach to. So that instantly brings it more prestige that you're actually having to chase the champion instead of having to defeat the champion to get a shot at the champion. So 
Um, and I, I, you know, uh, Triple H already did vignettes for the U.S. title, and uh, that was pretty good. Video cat packages uh, outlining the prestige of the U.S. title. I don't think he's really done that for the Intercontinental title yet, but we'll see if maybe that happens eventually. Um, but yeah, I can already see that happening already, and I totally agree with him on that one too. Get get us get a stronger mid card um, division. All right, so then he says get both world titles off of Roman. So I would agree at this point, the the bloodline has kind of run its course. It's kind of the same way I feel about the Usos. Get the both the tag titles off the Usos as well. Um, but then again, you have to revive the tag team division before you can do that with the Usos. Let the Usos keep the titles until you get a uh, a formidable tag team division. With the world titles, it's a little bit more simple because you do have some people on the roster now that are pretty pretty decent contenders for the world championships. So you could take, um, um, now of course, like I said before with the tag team division, if you don't hire, you know, if Triple H doesn't hire everybody that he had at full strength where he had like over, like I said, a hundred people on each roster, Raw and SmackDown and stuff, then I would actually, I would actually unify the WWE and undisputed title and just make one title. But if you're going to, if you're going to go back to full strength that you did before COVID, then you can afford to have two titles. You can have a universal and a WWE title. And yes, you would get both titles off uh, Roman. And because honestly, if they're going towards this rock Roman ver- match at WrestleMania, you don't need a title in that. You don't need a, you don't need. And I know a lot of people are saying this, you, you, yeah, that, you know, one of those titles should go to the rock. I don't agree. I don't agree that one of the titles rock has already proved himself He's already a future Hall of Famer. He's he's going to be. It's just a matter of time where he's going to get his fall Hall of Fame in, induction and invitation. You need to put one of those titles right now. You need to put one of those titles probably on Drew McIntyre, and you need to put the other title maybe on Karrion Cross. Maybe those are just two people that I'm thinking about right now. I'm sure there are a few others. So uh, don't necessarily bite my head off that I didn't mention the person that you're thinking about. I'm those are just the first two guys that come to my mind. Um, a lot of people will say Bobby Lashley. I would say once Bobby Lashley drops the U.S. title to whoever he drops it to, I would say yes, get him back in the world title picture. He certainly deserves to be in that. Um, if Brock Lesnar comes back eventually, I'm sure he'll be back in the title picture as well. Um, but yes, I do agree with him in the sense that they do need to get both world titles off of Roman at some point. And I think they need to do it before they have the Rock-Roman match at WrestleMania that they're pushing. Because I don't think, like I said, I don't think Rock needs one of those titles. Um, he said, now this one, I I don't really know. I don't really know the exact angle he meant this by, but he said, um, he said lesson rematches. Now, the only way I would disagree with him on this is, is I like rematches if it's a strong story. And I'm sure he would probably feel the same way. Uh, he would feel the same way too about that. Um, if you have a strong story between two rivals, I, I don't care how many rematches you have. If they're all good matches and no, no two, no one or two are the same, then I'm okay with the rematches. I'm all right. Um, I think what he's really talking about is at least from what I've listened to his, uh, his channel is he's talking about the rematches that you just have week after week on the shows to kind of take up space, um, on the show that really doesn't require a lot of writing and there's no story behind the rematches. You're just having the rematches to have the rematches because you don't know how else to 
put forth the time. I think that's what he's talking about. I think that's what JD is talking about. And I would agree with him on that. If the, if the rivalry or the rematch doesn't mean anything, then yeah, it does. There doesn't need to be a rematch. I would agree. Um, but like I said, if it's a, if it's a good rivalry between two, two wrestlers and it's a good story, give me, give me a lot of rematches. That's fine. You can do that. As long as they tell a strong story and as long as it keeps the crowd enthused and involved in it, I'm great. Now I will say during the panel, I had to backtrack a little bit because, um, somebody did bring it to my attention and they were correct. Um, you know, I, I was saying that the Brock Roman story was pretty strong and that I didn't mind seeing rematches. But then I think one or two of the panel members actually reminded me that until they got to this match and I think one other cage match overseas that they were in, uh, every other match has been kind of the same. And I was like, well, you know what? When I think about it, you're right. All of them have kind of been the same except for those two matches, the last man standing and the cage match that they had overseas. And I said, yep, I agree. You're right. They probably could have been more creative on you know, deciding what type of match these guys were going to have. But yeah, it was your, uh, I, I, I stood corrected on that, that you're right. A lot of the Brock and Roman matches were not, uh, were, were not up to par just because they ended up being the same match over and over again, except for, like I said, those two instances. So I, I was, you know, I was, I stood corrected on that. So, but again, it doesn't change my stance overall is that if you have a good story between two superstars or two wrestlers and you, and again, I'll add what I backtracked on is you give a variety of different types of matches in it and you keep, you keep the rivalry fresh by doing different things Then I would say I'm all for rematches. I'm all for them. All right. So the next thing, next couple of things or yeah, next, actually next three things are kind of relative to each other. And I think we've even said that we've even seen this just over the last couple of weeks when triple H took over. First one is give commentary an organic feel. You can already, I mean, I don't even have to get into detail on that. If you guys are listening to the commentary on Raw and SmackDown, you can hear that it doesn't sound like people are in the commentator's ears telling them what to say. You can already see that. And obviously that extends more to the wrestlers too. Nobody's in their ear and they're not, and it doesn't seem like, I mean, yes, I'm sure they go over off some kind of script of what their point has to be when they come out there to do a promo. Cause I mean, I'm sure all promos aren't strictly ad lib. I'm sure there is some kind of thing that they have to look at and they say, well, you can say whatever you want, but just make sure you make this point, you know, like, you know, whatever you want to say, like you don't have to, you don't have to say the script word for word, but there's a, there's a couple of points that you have to kind of hit, hit the hit hard. You know what I mean? But I have noticed that the organic feel to the promos and sound of the promos has been good. The commentary has been more organic. So I agree with him on those two things. And then the one I especially agree with him on is stop banning key wrestling words. I thought this was silly, you know, especially when he started, especially when Vince McMahon started trying to call a belt a title just because he thought that, a belt sounded more like something you had to keep your pants up with. <laughs> and I'm like, and then he tried to, you know, never say wrestler. He always says, uh, uh, he always said superstar. And, and I feel like he said this, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like he said this during the Pat McAfee show that the reason he didn't like using the word wrestling was because he thought superstars of the WWE were sort of above wrestling and they were sports entertainers and they were above wrestling 
you can correct me if I'm wrong, if I if I heard that wrong, but I'm pretty sure I listened to the uh, listened to the um, interview again with Pat McAfee, and I think that's the reason he said he says he says well you know anybody he said something about anybody can be a wrestler, but it takes a certain type of person to be a superstar. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I I, I know I'm not quoting Vince McMahon word for word when I say, when he says that, but I know that was the gist of what he said to Pat McAfee because I think Pat McAfee especially asked that asked that question. He said, you know, why do you like the word superstar better than the word wrestler? And I think that's the answer he gave pretty much not verbatim, but pretty much that was the gist of what he was trying to say. So if you guys want to, and you guys want to uh, debate me on it, uh, if you want, go and go to YouTube and look up the Pat McAfee show and listen to that whole uh, interview. It's on, it's on YouTube. So, uh, but I believe that's what he said. Now to me, in my personal opinion, uh, w- going off that specific thing, I think superstar and wrestler are kind of interchangeable in a way. Um, and I believe, I mean, I, I believe superstar is kind of exclusive to WWE just because you've heard, you know, they've had a couple shows called WWE superstars. I've been hearing that word since, since the old WWF days, you know, where they were called superstars. But I, I feel like that even WWE superstars like to be called wrestlers and they, and they, they want to be called wrestlers just like anybody in AEW or impact or anything like that. They feel like they're still within that brotherhood or, or within that quorum. And I would agree. I would agree. I think they are too. So, um, so anyway, and, and like I said, I found some of the words that they just banned were just ridiculous and everything. And and like I said, I don't have the whole list in front of me. Maybe one day I'll do an episode and kind of poke fun at that a little bit because even though, like I said, I was a fan of, I, I actually was a fan of Vince McMahon back in the day, uh, when he was going through the attitude era and all that stuff and everything. But, you know, lately in the last decade or so, and even kind of right after he, you know, right after he, uh, bought WCW, you could see that it kind of started to go, it was, it was going downhill less, uh, not as fast back during the aggression era or ruthless aggression era and all that stuff. But you started to see it probably after 2006 where it started to slowly go downhill again. And then they had to kind of revamp it. It kind of was like a roller coaster for a while. And then the last few years, it's just kind of kind of been a slow downward, you know, downward slope. So I don't know. It just, it just got worse. So, um, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm obviously very glad that Triple H is involved. And to be honest with you, when I think about it, all these older, you know, I've been watching some of the biography legends, uh, the biography shows on AEW and stuff with all the old timers. Something makes me want to say that, you know, with all due respect to Mr. McMahon, Vince McMahon, um, I feel like a lot of the times some of the decisions he made in the Attitude Era that helped him beat WCW were because some of the superstars he had around him that knew wrestling, like the whole DX thing. From what I've been told, Triple H and Shawn Michaels and them, they went to Vince with that DX idea. And they said, hey, just let us do what I, do what we want, kind of, you know. And, and from what I understand, Vince was kind of hesitant on it at first. And they just said, you know, just trust us. We're going to do it and everything like that. The thing I think might have be, been the problem with Mr. McMahon these days, maybe, and like I said, I'm not an insider, so I don't know everything that goes on, but some of the names that I read, you know, I see the internal names that I read of who the writers are and who the creative people are and everything. Now the producers and stuff, 
those are usually former wrestlers. You know, those I've seen, you know, a bunch of wrestlers that are in those producer roles that produce the actual matches and the choreography, choreography, easy for me to say, and all that stuff. But as far as the creative writing, I barely ever see a person in there that I recognize as a former wrestler. Maybe there's one or two. I don't know. I look at the names I, and I'd, I'd like to say that I'm familiar with a lot of wrestlers around, you know, the industry just their names. I mean, obviously I'm not friends or buddies with them or, you know, have any, any inside scoops on any of the promotions. But like I said, I feel like if you put a wrestler's name out to me, I, I would pretty much know at least who it is. You know what I mean? So I don't know, maybe that has a lot to do with it these days. Maybe there's not a lot of people on the writing team or the creative team at, well, until now that, uh, there were really, um, wrestlers back then or had it in their, you know, had it in their, uh, resume or anything that they used to be a former superstar wrestler. But now that you have the head of creative, that was not only a superstar, but he was a successful superstar, both as a single star and a tag team. Um, and in a faction for that matter, if you want to go ahead and say it, um, I think you're probably going to see a lot more entertaining television going forward just because you have a guy that seems to get it because he was a part of it, you know? And he was a part of those Monday Night Wars that helped defeat WCW. And, you know, I, I, I have high hopes that Triple H is going to give us a better product over the over the next few months. And you're going to see some changes here and there. Not, I don't think they're going to be real, real drastic, but they're going to be real gradual changes. And eventually you're going to see, you know, he'll give you a bunch of gradual changes and then he'll throw you a drastic change right in the middle of it. So it, it, I think it's sort of going to work like that, maybe. So anyway, um... So that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, hope you enjoyed the raw recap and uh, hope you guys are having f- more, f- having as much fun now watching WWE than as I am. Uh, I feel like it's just gotten a lot better just in the last two weeks in SummerSlam. So hopefully we continue to see the co- could continue to see the uh, incline and continue to see it get better over the next few weeks. So anyway, without uh, having said that, I guess, uh, the next episode I'll do, if I'm going to follow my, <laughs> if I'm going to follow my thing correctly, it'll be NXT. Oh yeah. Before I go, I'm going to plug the, um, plug the housekeeping a little bit. So again, real quick. Um, I think the last thing, the, the only thing I forgot to do last time was I didn't plug my own website, which is WWE setting the Now that's a one-stop shop where you can go and find the episodes of the podcast. You can also see, I think I have it in the I think it's in the right hand side of the website. It shows you where my podcast is, whether you want to know whether it's on Apple podcast or on Google podcast or on Amazon music, whatever. Um, it'll show you on that page too, but it's basically a one-stop shop. Um, you also have two email addresses you can get a hold of me of. You can get, uh, one of them is setting the stage podcast at gmail.com. I think I'm eventually going to go away from that one. Um, just because I, got another one, which is Garland at WWE setting the com. That's more associated with my website. So I think I might be going away from the Gmail and sticking with that WWE setting the uh, com uh, email. So you can get a hold, but you can still get a hold of me both ways if you want. Um, for now, uh, social media, I'm pretty much on all the platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Uh, YouTube, uh, Twitch, and uh, I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. Well, and, and, and so it's really easy. 
on most of them, my username is at bearded wrestling jester is, is on most of them. The only one that's different is Twitter because Twitter didn't allow me to do enough characters. So on that one, I'm bearded jester G. And like I said, I'll put all of this information in the, in the show notes or the description so you can get all the information if you want. Um, and I think, let's see, is that all my housekeeping stuff? Is that all? That, yeah, I think that's all the information that I have as far as social media and websites and all that stuff. So, uh, so that's, uh, that's going to do it. That's a lot of stuff to cover, right? <laughs> so anyway, um, the only other thing I'll ask too is I've been doing, oh yeah. One thing I, one, I knew I was going to forget something important. So the Facebook group, I have a Facebook group on, on, uh, and it's and all you really have to do is I, I'll say it I, I I'll put the link in the description, but all you really have to do is go to Facebook and search WWE setting the stage and it'll bring it right up. It's the first search thing, and that's my uh, that's my Facebook group. Uh, so if you want to come join that, come join that. Um, we're a little we're we're quite a small community right now. I think it's like twenty twenty one people something like that. Um, but we're growing and we have fun in there. We talk about a lot of stuff. So if you want to join. Uh, come, come join the family, come join the group. Um, also, uh, I've been doing some new features on there. So hopefully I've been doing some polls, doing some videos and stuff. And I'm trying to decide if I'm going to do some of those things on, still do some of those on Facebook group, or if I'm going to move them to another social media platform. Um, I'm toying with the idea of maybe taking my podcast to YouTube so we can do a video version. So you guys can see my face that's made for radio. (laughs) I don't know who knows. Um, so I've got a lot of things that I'm toying around with. I did do videos, uh, a little video feature for a week that I don't know. I I think maybe it'll get a little bit more reach if it's on Instagram in my personal opinion, but we'll see going forward. And then again, I might add it as a segment on the, on the, uh, podcast going forward too, but we'll have to dive into that in the near future. So anyway, just a lot of stuff going on. Uh, and like I said, hopefully I can, uh, maintain this uh thing and it looks like this this episode's still gone on pretty long so uh uh but like i said keeping it under an hour is sometimes a goal for me i like to keep it under an hour uh but anyway uh, without further ado uh that's the end of this episode and i will catch you for the next one so i'll talk to you guys later thanks for listening if you enjoyed the show tag in and leave me a review or share the show with someone who you think would love it I'll see you at ringside for the next episode.